It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Oh, give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. And speaking of going all the way to St. Simon's, don't forget our next Billy C. Boxing event, our holiday, our after-the-holiday holiday party. I don't know why I can't say that. Our after-the-holiday holiday party is coming up January 19th at the beautiful Sea Palms Resort. Uh, and Conference Center in St. Simons. You guys want to be part of this. You missed the last one? Don't miss this one. Uh, check out cpoms.com. Give them a call. Tell them you want to come to the Billy C. Uh, event. It's Friday night, January 19th. Make your plans for the weekend. Take the family. Play some golf. Hang out by the pool. Do what you got to do. But uh, don't miss our event on Friday, January 19th at the Cpoms Resort. Sal and myself will be joined by... Uh, some former world champions and some special guests and uh, we are going to show you not one not two not three but four classic fights on the big screen and uh, you'll be part of our live audience uh, as we film our next episodes of billy c's boxing revisited did i mention we're going to lay out some food and a cash bar for you yeah well if i didn't uh, there you go so make your plans now join us january 19th at the sea palms and finally uh, my uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Better Men on the Planet. is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I uh, am so adamant about uh, getting the story of Tom Molino out. It's a true story. He's a piece of uh, history, a piece of American history, a piece of black history, and it just... It just pisses me off that uh, his place in history is swept under the rug. And uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, once you read this book, you'll see why he's such an important part uh, of history. Um, coming up a little bit later, the return of uh, Boxing Hall of Famer uh, Larry Hazard. Uh, he'll be stopping by. Uh, Alex Perpali and I will be doing the first blast from the past of 2018. It's a request from one of yous, Larry Holmes, former world heavyweight champion and boxing Hall of Famer. Don't forget, if you want uh, as a blast from the past done on someone, 
uh, we had a, a pretty good uh, lineup uh, of uh, requests. So uh, just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. And don't forget about our new segment. We're going to be kicking it off later this month. Um, it's uh, uh, a really fun segment where uh, myself and Sal and uh, Alex Papali and Dax Khan will all be uh, talking about uh, uh, fights. It's uh, Billy C's <coughs> Magic Boxing. Uh, hold on. Uh, joining me right now is Sal Rocky Senecola. What what did we call it again? <laughs> Good morning, Billy C. What, what are we calling call? it? Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. Bo- oh, that's right. That's right. Magic Boxing Machine. And uh, the first fight we're going to be talking about is uh, a dream what? matchup that would have been uh, uh, would have been great, uh, featuring Roberto Duran and Julio Cesar Chavez. I can't wait to do that. To be honest with you, Sal. Both in their prime as a lightweight. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it sounds unbelievable. Uh, that 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 would be. I can't wait to see what the computer stats say, but that's got to be a war. I can't and, wait. To, I can't wait to say hear what you say when I ask you what the strengths and weaknesses were of both fighters. I can't. I, that's your assignment. You know that, right? Oh yeah, I was filled in on that. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna build that. You wait till you see. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> got, a, more, I got a, whole, a whole list of things. Hey, hey listen, in, for each. in in the news today. Uh, which is actually fresh uh, on the presses. As a matter of fact, it's probably taking place right now. Uh, but uh, uh, Amir Khan uh, is uh, sign- has signed with Eddie Hearn and uh, Matchroom Sports. You know, one of the significance of this, you know, Amir Khan's been, uh, uh, listen, he was at the top of the game for a while. There's no question about that. Uh, he seemed to fall off the radar a little bit. He's had his uh, uh, ups and downs, uh, just like uh, every other fighter. But the signing with uh, Eddie Hearn, to me, uh, signals that uh, uh, maybe a couple of big fights are left. Uh, specifically, one against Kel Brook. You know, you have two domestic, uh, you know, domestic in England, uh, two guys that are huge names uh, in England. Uh, they had been on a collision course in the past. And now it seems like the uh, road has been paved to potentially see uh, a matchup between Amir Khan and uh, and Kel Brook. Sal, what's your thoughts on Amir Khan signing with Eddie Hearn uh, and uh, the potential showdown between uh, Khan and uh, Kel Brook? Well, I think that it, it's going to be uh, Amir Khan's opportunity because I think uh, Kel Brook is also looking for an opportunity in each fighter. I think it's going to be a significant fight for each guy, and uh, the winner is going to move on and up, and uh, the loser, I think, is going to be having to reassess where he is in his career at this time. I think it's a good thing, and uh, I hope uh, the fight takes place in in a good fashion, and it is what we expect it to be. I think Kel Brook will win. Uh, hope he hope he does so without breaking any more of his orbital bones. Yeah, well, he's had both of them broken, so uh, there's not many. Uh, I guess there's no, no bones no left bones in his left. face. <laughs> no, I got a bone to pick with you. Yeah, I guess he's got no uh, uh, nothing really uh, left to to uh, bust up in his face. But, you know, uh, Bill, that's got to be psychologically. I, I will tell you this: psychologically, I I, I think he's got to be able to get past that and 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 not worry about that and not let that be something that he's going to be concerned about because you can't fight scared you can't fight conservative you can't you know you got to fight your style 
Um, but I think he's going to also be tested. And, uh, you know, you wonder what's going to go on inside of his head and in his psyche, you know, when, when he gets tapped there, when he gets hit there, uh, if he does. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a real good reevaluation of, of, of his his whole uh, mindset and his, his heart, which we don't doubt that. He's got a great heart. He's got the skill. He's got the level of, uh, of uh, ability that uh, is world class. So I think it's a great fight and a good test because I think Amir Khan's also got to step up and try to show us uh, uh, what he can do. Amir Khan, first of all, uh, interesting comment, and I, and I agree with you except for one thing. I think it, he, he showed us what he learned by breaking his orbital bone the first time uh, was what it feels like. Because in the second right. time, I think that's one of the reasons he decided that he's, he had had enough because he knew that he had broken the other one now um, rather than continue trying to tough it, uh, tough it out, which, you know, I know people were critical of, of him um, not trying to tough it out, but... I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, there's a fine line there. Uh, same thing sure. when uh, uh, Amir Mansour, you know, puts his teeth with the mouthpiece on through his, right tongue, through his tongue, to his, through his tongue, and, and he couldn't continue, and his corner was all pissed off. They, you know, he's quitting, he's quitting. Uh, yeah, well, geez, how much We're that must hurt. We're still in fight. We're still in fight. God, I, I've, I've you bit. Made, you may rinse now. I've bit, yeah, I've bit my tongue <laughs> eating a sandwich, you know, and it hurts, man, and let alone putting, I, I couldn't imagine I just yeah. right through it with your own tooth. But um, but but as far as the fight itself, the potential fight between Amir Khan and Kell Brook, listen, I've always liked Amir Khan, his hand speed, his his punching power. Uh, you know, uh, the knock on him was was a suspect chin, even though you know of late or in his last several fights, well, you know, he, he got knocked out, but he fought bigger guys. I, I mean, I thought that improved, but I, I just don't think. I think I think at the end of the day, Kell Brook. Uh, that might be too much for him. I, I don't know. But then again, you know, no, speed don't kills. Don't think that. Bill, don't think that. If you feel it, say it. Because you know what? I do. I do think that. I think well, Kel Brook is going to destroy Well, him. if you don't don't think it, say it. No, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what? What? what I, the thing is, is Amir Khan is no slouch. And Kel no. Brook, I mean, Amir Khan's got the hand speed. You know, so and speed kills. You know, if, if he can land punches and get out of harm's way. You know, it, it's going to boil down to... Can Amir Khan put together a, a, a full fight? And what I mean by that is he has shown glimpses of every aspect of the game uh, that, uh, um, you know, is is good, except I, I can't recall when he put it all together in one shot. Like, he has shown punching power. He has shown uh, a, a chin um, at times. You know, he has shown hand speed and footwork and ring generalship. I just I can't recall when he did it all at once, and I think he needs to do that against uh, Kell Brook. Well, he does. I mean, he's got to put it all together. This is his opportunity because, as you said, right now he's kind of looked at that, uh, you know, he's got the talent, he's got the ability, he's got the skill set, but, uh, you know, sometimes he's not been, he hasn't been as consistent with uh, victories when he steps up and fights these big guys. So I think uh, this is his opportunity to see what it's all about and where his where the direction of his career is going to go. Um, Kell Brook, on the other hand, I think this is his way back to give him a little confidence booster, a little, a little uh, uh, opportunity to display his skill set and his level of uh, competition, what he's ready to get back in the ring with. And I, I, I see Kell Brook uh, 
pretty much dominating this entire fight and beating him. Um, some other news I wanted to talk about real quick uh, is um, is the fact that Tyson Fury has kicked his uh, uncle and longtime trainer and, and uh, his manager too, uh, Peter Fury, to the side. Now, this is not something he did yesterday, um, but he's working uh, with a new trainer now. Uh, ben Davidson, and, and if the name sounds uh, somewhat uh, you know familiar to you and you can't put your finger on it, this is the young trainer. I'm talking young. He's actually younger uh, than Tyson Fury, who trained Billy Joe Saunders. And we all got to see him when uh, Billy Joe Saunders was up in Canada fighting David Lemieux recently. And um, according to uh, Tyson Fury, he feels extremely rejuvenated. He loves working with, uh, with Davidson, and uh, Davidson feels that uh, you know, he, he's got something very special. He, he said that uh, as far as the training is going, that Tyson Fury is picking up uh, what he's given him very easily and quickly. And uh, apparently uh, he's in becoming in great shape very quickly. Uh, we all were kidding about how fat Tyson Fury was. Uh, but according to uh, multiple reports, uh, his weight is falling off. He seems rejuvenated and revigorated. Uh, he's uh, uh, challenging himself in in, in uh, sparring and and you know working out in, in the gym. And uh, he feels very positive to get back in the mix. Uh, keep in mind he is the linear champ and he's still undefeated. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if Ben Davison uh, has uh, will be able to help Tyson Fury. Uh, get back on top. He's made no secrets about the fact that he wants to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. So, so we'll see. What, what's your thoughts about uh, him kicking a longtime trainer to the curb, which happened to have been his manager and uncle, uh, Peter Fury, and taking on, um, you know, a new trainer at this stage of his career? Well, I think that you know, if this is, you know, remember what's the definition of insanity? doing the same thing over and over again without and expecting different results. I mean, you know, he's, he's had a few holes in his corner uh, with the training camp, with his psyche, with his, his uh, opposition, well, I mean, with his his, uh, his mindset of late. And you know what? If he needs a clean change and he needs some, some things to motivate him and to, to get him in a proper mindset and uh, back into the ring in uh, at a, at a, at a, at a good shape, I think, you know, why not change trainers? Like he did, and and let's go under the tutelage of what an outsider may see that uh, no one else inside has been able to see, and let's figure this guy out. Let's let him uh, uh, blossom and, and evolve into the, the champion that he he claims and that champion he potentially can be again. Uh, he's a big guy. He's got the skill set, and uh, you know you just got somebody like that. You got to harness. You got to get into their mind. You got to understand them. You got to empathize with them. But you got to also be their Boudini Brown and give them confidence and help them pat them on the back so they're sure of what they're doing and everything else. And maybe a new trainer and a new change of uh, scene uh, may just give him a lot of those uh, variables that he's looking for at this time. You know, normally I, I don't like when a fighter changes trainers, especially when they've had a trainer for a long time. And my reasons for that um, are probably the opposite of why some fighters do. You know, they're looking for a change. They're looking for a spark. Um, and, and then I think that 
that normalcy, that routine, that that familiar voice yeah. is what uh, they need. And when they kick that to the curb, uh, there's an adjustment process that they may not notice until crunch time, until they're in the fight. Um, but in this case, Tyson Fury had been away for a while, um, clearly not in a gym. I mean, he weighed 900 pounds, you know. So, so I, I think in this case, this might be adding uh, to his uh, rejuvenation. And I think in Tyson Fury's case, uh, this is going to help him. I mean, um, you know, obviously uh, Ben Davison uh, has the accolades because of the successful uh, performance that his uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders fighter uh, put in in his last time out. So it's going to be interesting to see, Sal. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'm, I'm excited to see that. You know, I'm not really a huge Tyson Fury fan, but, you know, like I said, if, if there's going to be some changes and going to be something that uh, we can look at other uh, than uh, uh, what we saw in the last picture, let's see what happens. And I think it's a great catalyst. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a spark he needs. And I think it's something that a change would be good at this stage for him. Um, we got a bunch of emails to read. Uh, and there's uh, two that we got from yesterday that I'm going to get to. The, the one... I glanced over this morning, and, and, and I absolutely love it and can't wait to, to read it. But unfortunately, we're going to wait till the end. Uh, it's from my man, Willie. And Willie. we had been talking about um, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And he, oh, uh, he, put, down, he put down the quotes. I, I was mentioning Tuco. And, um, you know, it all started when we were like, yeah, if you're going to fight, fight. And I was like, oh, remember the line? You know, if you're going to shoot, shoot, you know. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we, we'll get you to that a little bit bad, later. Yeah, we, we got, we'll get to that later. Uh, we got some emails now. I want to get out of the way. Jesse says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I can't believe Obama. Uh, Bama beat the Bulldogs. I had a 29-26 before the game for Georgia. Uh, Billy, wow. you think the quarterback freshman for Bama will start next year? You think Sabian saw something in him to make that change? Let, let me, you know, I've been talking about this since the game, which was an outrageous game, in case you guys missed it. Um, yeah. I, I'm an Alabama fan, and I'm a Georgia fan too, so it's not, you know, I knew, I knew both teams very well. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that was uh, George's game. I mean, I, I was, was. I was conceding, uh, you know, Alabama to lose a game. But make no mistake, Tua, uh, which is his first name, I'm not going to uh, destroy the kid's last name, a true freshman that came in and, and had a miraculous second half for Alabama, leading Alabama to victory in, in a very exciting fashion. The, the way the game ended was just so lights was, out. I mean, it was just so quickly, you know, but uh, – um, I, make no mistake, Jess, and anyone else that cares, um, this kid had played a lot already this season. It wasn't like they pulled him off the bench and he never took a snap. Now, granted, he never went in the game when Alabama was losing. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, were never, they weren't uh, winning by less than, I think, 17 points or, or 20 points uh, when they put him in. But he did get a lot of playing time with the first unit in live game situations. I think what made the difference with him was the fact that the, the offensive coordinator started calling the plays he should have been calling with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts can, can throw the ball too, but this kid uh, showed a, a poise and calmness. I mean, you know, I remind, somebody was telling me he reminded me of Eli Manning. The guy, the guy just wins in, in the most dramatic fashion. He doesn't even smile. You know, he's like, he's just sitting there like, you know, you know I want to thank God. I want to thank my family, my parents, you know, and, uh, uh, and my teammates, you know. And, and, I mean, the way that game ended, you know, 
I'm sitting there when when the when they got sacked and he lost like 20 yards. I'm going, oh man, because the field goal kicker wasn't ki- he wasn't getting another kick in. I mean, no. he just was mentally shot. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Georgia had just nailed that 50 yarder or something to go ahead by three in overtime. And uh, and then and then uh, the kid takes that 20 yard sack second down in a million miles uh and he throws that dart 50 yards in the air i mean it was just you know i i, I had the fire going you know and i still gonna i still gonna log and all of a sudden here touchdown game over i was like what what you know he, he had just you know he was still in the huddle when i when I, and i had to rewind it and amazing amazing finish Lo- loved every minute of it um will he still the question was will he start next year um, what are you going to do with Jalen Hurts? I mean, uh, but I, how could you not start this kid? I, I mean, I, I'm looking for him to be the starter. I'm looking for Jalen Hurts to maybe uh, transition to uh, a, a slot back or something like that, maybe see some trickery plays from Alabama, uh, something that they don't normally do. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to start. He says, uh, will you be at the Turning Stone for Clarissa Shields? Um, no, because I'm heading out to uh, St. Simon's Island, so I won't be going. And quite honestly – I don't have much faith in women's boxing, although I was a, a, an advocate for it uh, for a long time. Uh, I, I just don't. The reason why I was an advocate for women's boxing is because the women fighters seem to fight whoever they put in front. Now they seem to be dodging each other just like the men. And Kularisha Shields, I don't like her her comments. Uh, you know, she's two time gold medal winner. I got to meet her. She's a sweetheart in person. But some of her public comments uh, just stirs the pot a little too much for me. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. Sal, I got a couple more emails. You're going to love them. I'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're watching and listening to the billy c show and uh don't forget to join sal and myself uh next week january 19th down at the beautiful sea palms uh resort in st simon's island sal and i will be there and we want you to be there too we're going to show you uh not one not two not three but four classic fights on the big screen so uh check it out reach out to uh and give them a call tell them you want to be uh part of the billy c uh, event on January 19th. Um, uh, also, Sal, I got the, the uh, um, I got another email here. This one's from uh, uh, my man Mitch, and he says, right. fifth time, he says, uh, uh, he says, see, Billy, you keep thinking I'm BSing you, uh, but this is the fifth time I'm coming at you with proof. Mind you, there were many other times it happened, but I didn't email you. Monday, you talked about Floyd never unifying in his prime. One day later, we see this, and he sh- sends me a link to an article uh, that was basically titled uh, Holyfield and Mayweather Never Were Undisputed Champions in Any Way Class. He says, uh, I'm telling you, these boxing people listen to your show, dude. And he says, P.S., I'm mad at you, uh, so I may not send you an email for What are you mad at me for? I, he, he, must have, he must be a Georgia Bulldogs fan, Sal. I mean, that's the only reason. I mean, Mitch is my man. I've never, I've never said anything negative about him, but maybe he thinks because I don't listen to him. Listen, I know a lot of people listen to the show, and we never get the credit uh, from, uh, from the so-called experts. Um, but, hey, it's been like that. We're in our 15th year, boys and girls. Could you imagine that, Sal? 15 years, 15 man, I've been years. doing the show. 
My gosh, that's a long time, Bill. That's a long. It is a long time, and uh, to think that we started out uh, doing this show once a week for an hour uh, out of a gym that I owned in Poughkeepsie, and uh, it just it had taken off, and uh, it's doing good. Hey, I got some news. You know, I, I I there were a bunch of people that have been reaching out to me over the last um, I don't know, I'd say month or so. It was leading up through the holidays and stuff. If you guys have noticed on the website, billycboxing.com, there's an image that Jeremy came up with of a coffee mug that has brass knuckles as the, uh, uh, as the handle. And uh, the, the coffee mug is kind of bent like you were punching the coffee mug. And um, it was a JPEG. It was a, it was a, a graphic that, uh, that Jeremy came up with. And um, I, I can't tell you how many people were asking me to order the mugs. So guess what, Sal? What? <laughs> funny you should ask. Fun, funny, <laughs> What's fun, going on? Yeah, fun, funny you should ask, Sal, because I have reached out to a uh, manufacturer of custom stuff, and we are having those mugs produced, and they will be available. So if you're interested in getting... Unbelievable. Yeah, Come on, really? And, and I'm even... And you know what? I'm right. even going to send you one so you don't have to no draw way. funny faces on mugs. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. Mugs So if you're interested in one, you want to get on the list because we, we're going to be doing them in batches because uh, they're all going to be handmade, actually. Um, right. Give me, uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Um, I got uh, uh, another email. This is from my man Johnston. He says, uh, hey, Billy C. and Sal, the latest news from this side of the pond is Anthony Joshua will definitely defend his IBO, IBF, and WBA heavyweight titles against Joseph Parker uh, on March 31st at Cardiff's Principality Stadium. It's about that's expected to be formally announced Friday. Um, can't wait, man. We've been uh, dying for that. He said, uh, should uh, Anthony Joshua be uh, uh, victorious, Eddie Hearn said, we must get the fight out of the way, meaning Parker fight, uh, and then it gives the opportunity to have AJ fight again in August and then in December. We plan on fighting one in America and then Wilder, or we'll fight Wilder next, then Tyson Fury. If Fury gets his license, that could be a big fight, but he needs a couple of fights first. We want all the belts by the end of the year. Uh, in relation to Tyson Fury's return, he has still yet to even apply for a supervision of uh, suspension of his boxing license, uh, despite invitation of the BBC to do the boards. Uh, Robert Smith said, uh, "I haven't had any contact with Tyson since the UK decision, uh, UK AD. I spoke to uh, Fury's promoter Mick Hennessy before Christmas, but I wanted to get the situation resolved. Uh, but I've heard nothing since." It's disappointing, and I don't understand the logic of them not coming to this office to resolve the situation before he gets his suspension lifted and fights again. We need to talk to the man. We need to access. Uh, we need to assess his mental health. We need to see uh, what he's like, and after that, we can advise him on what uh, would be required. Um, I, 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 I'm. I think rumor has it. And uh, that that Tyson Fury's signing is not signed with Hennessy anymore. Um, and very well may be signing with uh, um, um, uh, Warren, Frank Warren. I, so I don't know. We'll have to uh, see. He says, uh, on Amir Khan, I'm sure you may have heard that Amir Khan's officially linking up with Eddie Hearn. Uh, an announcement will be made today, uh, meaning today, actually. Uh, he says, uh, which makes 
fighting Kell Brook, a strong possibility. Yep, Sal and I was just talking about that. He says, uh, Khan said, uh, I would like to fight uh, a minimum of two times, maybe three times this year in 2018. I want to win a third title. Uh, he says uh, Khan has publicly come out and said that uh, he has a, a shock announcement to make for his next fight, looking at some possibilities. Adrian Broner in New York, Keith Thurman, Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence, or rematches with Lamont Peterson and Danny Garcia. But obviously the one everyone wants is Kel Brook. Uh, he says uh, Brook could be a fight in the future. Um, thanks for the email. I mean, uh, it sounds like that's what's going to happen, don't you think, Sal? Oh, yeah, it sounds like that's exactly what's going to happen. And, uh, hey, I think that's a pretty good itinerary mapped out for this year for Anthony Joshua, too. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see that fight in August B against Deontay Wilder. And, yeah, I think Tyson Fury's got to prove himself a little bit before uh, he does get in the ring with AJ for the World Championship. So I think uh, it's a perfect itinerary, and I think uh, the agenda should should map out very well. Um, I got another email I'll squeeze in uh, uh, before, uh, before we kick out to the curb. This one's from uh, Coach. He says, hey, Billy C., did you read that a Brooklyn College math professor wrote a paper that said meteorocracy uh, in math class holds <laughs> holds back minorities and is a tool of whiteness? Uh, I guess meteorocracy is now being replaced, uh, is, is now being, is now be replacing, will now be replacing everyone. Okay, I guess meteorocracy will now be replacing everyone being evaluated or held to the same standards, reinforcing Obama's everyone gets a trophy policy, hoping it's not a move to set up criminal justice reform based on different standards, and in parentheses, uh, Coach put excuses. I hope meteorocracy is, is, as a justification, doesn't hit our already WWE entertainment uh, over the sport of boxing. He says, after further investigating, uh, he says, uh, uh, I had to give this, add this. He says, uh, an example, Mayweather's, uh, and in quotes, he puts, I fought everyone uh, I put in front of me, 50 and 0 being compared as breaking a heavyweight record. I like that, as I, as I put in front of me, uh, as a heavyweight record held by Rocky Marciano. Let's not forget Mayweather, who could have fought an aging 87 and 0 career starting Julio Cesar Chavez in 2005, chose to face Arturo Gotti in uh, 2005. To be clear, Gotti had already lost three straight fights, two of those to Ivan Robinson in December of 98 and 99. Instead, the WWE picker chose Gotti over the 50-0 uh, surpassing legend, uh, and Gotti had just beaten uh, uh, Ivan Robinson in 2005. Um, you know, I, you know, it is. I can feel Coach's frustration, Sal. I mean, um, you know, uh, you know, not only sports, but uh, life is competitive. Uh, to suggest that mediocrity is is a form to keep minorities. I, you know, I, what happened to ch striving to be the best? Does it really matter what color your skin is and how you apply yourself to, to do well? I just, I just don't get it. I mean, for that matter, uh, what are you going to do? Say, uh, you know, all, all, uh, Asian people are better in math. Come on, man. I mean, what are you going to say? It's, it's, a, it, it's stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't believe that people even make those comments. Well, it is a shame, too, because, you know, but here's here's where we've come. You know, the benchmark used to be up here, Bill. 
and, and you know, we've all strived growing up in our generation. We try to always seek out the best to make ourselves better and to improve, whether it was a career direction, whether it was this. We, we, we were taught at a young age to be the best you can. You've got to do some hard work. You've got to learn. You've got to grow. You've got to do things. No matter what choices you make in life, the direction you're going to go in life, this was the natural pathway of how you evolve to be the best you can be. And, you know, instead of, you know, we used to put our hands up for people to help uh, to lift us up to get to that next level. But we were wanting to learn and strive and do the work along the way to climb that mountain. Now, instead, people are putting their hands up not to be lifted, but to pull everybody else down to their level. And and that's how this whole direction uh of of uh, eliteness or or motivation or or mediocrity have now blended together into just what it is mediocrity. There are those that still stand out, those that still strive to be the best, those that still grow mentally, physically, or however they however they can to be the best in their endeavor or their choice of field and direction. But a lot of times, society as a whole has accepted uh, what people cannot achieve into now saying, okay, everybody is on the same program, the same level. And uh, it, it's a shame on that level alone because it takes away from the spirit and the, as you said, the participation trophies, everybody's going to take for granted. And that's going to that's gonna hurt us as a society, I believe. Just to correct something, Coach is correcting me in the chat room. Uh, his email, I, I misinterpreted it. It wasn't Gotti who had beaten Ivan Robinson, it was Chavez who had beaten, uh, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez had beaten uh, Ivan Robinson and uh, was trying to set up a fight with Floyd Mayweather, and Floyd Mayweather uh, ducked him, uh, which was kind of his M.O., really. I um, think that's a future fight in the magic boxing machine. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to try to avoid Floyd at all costs, except <laughs> except I'm definitely going to put him in with the Sugars. Sugar Ray Robinson oh, and Sugar Ray Leonard because Sugar Ray I, I, Robinson, there's no Sugar way. Hey, listen, we were having a discussion. Part. We were having that discussion in our meeting, and we the were. truth of the matter is, is Floyd wouldn't have beat any of those guys. He wouldn't no, have beat Duran. He wouldn't have beat Hearns. No. He wouldn't have beat Leonard. He wouldn't no. have beat Hagler, no, and he certainly no, wouldn't have beaten no. Robinson. You know, so. Uh, but anyway, he wouldn't have beaten. I, I got news for you, and I say this to people all the time. Floyd Mayweather Jr. If you could go back in time. In his prime, and you could pick any any era that Floyd fought in. If he fought his father, when his father was in his prime, his father would have kicked his ass. And the reason is because his father had more punching power and was willing to uh, exchange more than Floyd. And uh, if those two could have fought in their prime, I'm telling you, Papa would have beat him. Sal, we'll be kicking you to the curb. We'll be uh, hooking up with you a little bit later. Uh, so go have a coffee, go to the bathroom. I'm going to take a short break when we come back to return to Larry Hazard. So uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. 
the one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And where? Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And don't forget about being with us on January 19th when Sal and myself uh, are going to be putting on uh, our next Billy C boxing event. It's our holiday after the holiday party. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing uh, uh, another event at the Sea Palms uh, Resort. Uh, in St. Simon's Island, and we want you to be part of it. We're showing you not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights on the big screen, and we want you to come down and be part of that. We're going to have some food laid out for you and uh, a cash bar, and it's going to be fun for all. So uh, visit cpoms.com, give them a call, and tell them you want to be part of the Billy C. event on Friday, uh, January 19th. Um, bef- uh, I had uh, uh, been scheduled to have my man uh, Larry Hazard join us, uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, we were not be able to uh, uh, get through to him. Uh, so we're going to uh, keep moving. And uh, I, I, I got my main man back on the phone. And uh, uh, hopefully I didn't catch you. I didn't catch you with your pants down in the toilet, did I? No, no. I was just online paying bills for my business. Oh, oh well, hey. Don't worry. Who my needs gas a bill for, for my ovens and my stove? And, and all of a sudden I heard the phone ring and said, let me grab my headphone. I'm back on. Well, and, hopefully. Uh, thank uh, you so much. I'm here for you, Bill. You, I'm here. You know what I say? I say to people, don't worry about paying the bills, man. What can they do? Just shut your Mediocrity. business down? You know what? Let everybody else pay them. This is true. Let everyone else pay. You know, I mean, what, why should you strive to, to be the best? Why should you strive and have your restaurant be as good as it is? Ah, eh, screw it. Let somebody else do it for you, Sal. Absolutely. You know, uh, absolutely. That's it. That's it. I'm bringing a participation trophy down for you. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. That's I, it. I really appreciate that. That'll go right on my Mickey Mantle. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got, uh, uh, let's continue with some emails. Um, and, uh, uh, hey, just to remind everybody, if you're just joining us, you know, I had been asked a lot about the uh, brass knuckle coffee mugs that you see on our uh, website that was actually just a... Uh, a uh, creation from uh, my man Jeremy. Well, we're turning it into a reality. Uh, we will be offering uh, the Brass Knuckle Billy C uh, show coffee mugs. Um, so if you want to get put on a list, we're, uh, we're having them made. They're, they're going to be custom made. And we are doing them in lots of uh, only a dozen. They're going to be priced somewhere between 20 and 25 bucks. 
they're all going to be handmade and they're they may even be numbered uh because there's only going to be uh um you know we're only going to produce them 12 at a time so if you're interested in them I, i'll you know i'm going to have one here as soon as they're done uh but uh they're cool so if you're interested want to get on the list for the first batch uh just drop me an email billy at talking boxing t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g and sal I know you got something to say. I know you've been trying to sell your line of Billy C. mugs uh, that everyone comments on when they're watching you drink. And Sal's are handmade, too. Uh, All it took was a big, giant white mug and a Sharpie. And and, uh, he created the Billy C. mug. (laughs) He wanted me to put that on the mugs. Can you guys believe that? He wanted me to take that. Okay, you know what I think you should put on a mug? I think you should put like a uh, on one side, yeah. I, I like the idea of the brass knuckles, the whole thing, but put a boxing glove, uh, and and make the boxing glove upside down like that. Put your eyes inside the mitt and put the like the thumb, the, a smile or something, and put a mustache somewhere in the middle of it. That would be a great mug. I got a mug. I I got to look at my mug every morning, you know. So <laughs> I, you know, but we need uh, the Philly C moniker. We need that mustache. We need. You know, you have it in your ads. You know, uh, yeah, what you what you do with Jeremy with, hey, I need your mustache. Hey, there's my, you know, I think it's great. That mustache has got to be a signature on top. A boxing glove. Look, you have the hand like this. You have the the thumb like your smile. You put two eyes and there's mustache right across a, a red glove or something like that. That's the Billy C logo for the mug. Maybe not. Maybe the okay. second running. I don't know. We'll see. I, I already see the said. second print. And I love the idea that you number them. You know, put like one slash a million. Because we're going to make a million mugs by the time it's all said and done. Put two slash a million. And then you have a drawing at the end of the year. You see who has the mug that you pick to win. And, and you get an all-expense-paid tri- uh, all uh, trip to the Bahamas or something else um, with the proceeds for the mug. <laughs> that sounds good, but let's go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, better quit. You, can, you never know when to stop, do you? You, know, you always got to push it that one step further. <laughs> You know, let's move I was on. A big fan of one step beyond right? Let, that series. Let's move on. Um, and you know, today Alex is going to be coming on in about twenty minutes, and we're going to be doing our blast from the past. And um, I just want to say congratulations to Alabama football. I, I just, you know, I just, you know, tell don't you know? I, you know what bothers me? The one thing that I've always uh, been able to do with my show is talk about what I want. And, you know, we make the rules here, Sal. And uh, I got uh, uh, I got somebody uh, uh, in the chat room saying, no more football talk. Give me a break. You know, I'm going to talk about football as much as I want. You don't like it? Don't listen. What can I say? You know, we don't force anybody to listen. You know, but uh, anyway. Um, Larry Holmes is our, uh, is our um, uh, blast from the past today. Alex is going to be coming on in a little bit. Um, but I got an email from my man Jeff uh, from Pennsylvania, and the the uh, the title of it was uh, uh, about uh, Larry Holmes, and I didn't get a chance to read this yesterday. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, coach is saying, what about the Alabama linebacker swinging at the coach? You'll never see him play for Alabama again. The guy took a shot at one of the uh, assistants on the sideline. Stupid, stupid thing. He's lucky he didn't get a flag thrown on the reason why he took a shot at his coach. He put he punched uh, one of the Georgia players on, on a special teams play. But anyway, um, he sent an email. Now, remember when you and I were talking about Larry Holmes 
uh, with yes. a possible dream matchup with George Foreman. It was a fight that uh, those two guys could have had, but it never took place. Um, right. And you made the statement, if I remember correctly, it went something along the lines of, George Foreman would have killed Larry Holmes, you know, and uh, people would people were saying all of that. You know, well, Jeff disagrees with us. He says, hey, Billy C., I'm not so sure I agree with you and Sal on Holmes versus Foreman. Both were great. Uh, Foreman became so much more likable. You know, that that's it's true. You know, Larry Holmes it's was true. never Larry Holmes was never a likable guy. And, and and even in person, you know, the times that I've met him, you know, he, he was he's, he's such a businessman through and through. I mean, it's all about the money with him, you know. But uh, anyway, that's why he's so successful. <laughs> uh, he says, but you have to understand. That Holmes came right after Ali and fail, felt greatly disrespected by the writers and the pundits. Uh, you see, and before I move on, Jeff, this was one of the reasons I did not like him. And the fact is, and I talk about this all the time, and Sal, I want your opinion too. Yeah. You know, in boxing, you don't need to coax writers and, and, and media, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or writers slash media um, uh, to, to give you respect. It's easy to get respect. All you got to do is perform in the ring. Larry Holmes was so bent on demanding respect, similar to Lennox Lewis, is that every time there was a microphone in front of him or any time there was a writer with a pen, you know, he started saying, I don't get the respect. I'm, I'm a great fighter, this and that. You know, remember, this is the same guy that said that Rocky Marciano couldn't uh, hold his jock strap, you know, which pissed yes. a lot of old-time uh, fight fans off. You know, boxing is a beautiful sport because the guys that don't say anything can get accolades by performing. It's that clear. Now, I'm not suggesting that Larry Holmes didn't perform because he certainly proved himself, but he certainly didn't have to uh, do all the crying and carrying on like he did, just like Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis changed the complexion of the heavyweight division, but there was a trail of tears from after every fight, uh, him saying how he wasn't uh, respected by the media. But uh, what's your thoughts, Sal? You know, it's 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 funny, and uh, I could think about this a uh, hundred different ways, but you know, my initial thoughts were exactly uh, shared with the same feelings you had when I used to see Larry Holmes right after Muhammad Ali. He always seemed to whine or, 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 or cry out that he's in the shadow of the greatest or in the shadow of Muhammad Ali, and he's got to prove himself. And Larry Holmes, his efforts proved himself. I think it was just that he was looking for, for it at a time uh, that he had to overemphasize or state it. And like you were suggesting, boxing is the kind of thing where your efforts and your merits in the ring will be enough to promote yourself on that level. And I think when he was looking to whine or promote himself or, 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 or say he doesn't get the respect, that turned off a lot of fans. And, of course, the, the remark about Rocky Marciano turned me off. But I will tell you this, and I will humble myself by saying this. As I look back at Larry Holmes's career and the fights that he did win and that he did pull off, and I see a big champion with a stunning great jab, uh, great arsenal, and the, the ability to take punishment, to take a shot, except for Mike Tyson, and uh, his ability to outbox and to last and to have the endurance to be a champion. Larry Holmes proved uh, to be a worthy champion at any level there. And also, when Richie Giacchetti used to manage me, when Larry Holmes, he used to manage Larry Holmes, train Larry Holmes. I had the opportunity uh, to have several fights in Ohio, 
and meet Larry Holmes and uh, with his younger brother, Mark Holmes, on my undercard, around the same car that we would fight. And then Richie Giacchetti would take us out to the Commodore Inn in Pennsylvania, where Larry has the hotel, and we would train in Phillipsburg. So I spent a lot of time with Larry Holmes. And he was always in a business suit and always a gentleman and always very, very eager. In fact, he signed one of my boxing gloves that I fought with at one of the shows, and, um, and he was very endearing and very much willing to, to engage in conversation, uh, will, willing to give me the respect as a fellow fighter. And uh, I changed my opinion uh, about Larry Holmes immediately at that time when I got to know him. And uh, I thought he was a good businessman, a good gentleman, and uh, I became a fan of Larry Holmes. Um, to go on with the uh, email that uh, uh, Jeff sent, he says, uh, living right next door to Easton, Easton, Pennsylvania, I attended many of Larry's training camps. He had a truly phenomenal jab, possibly the best for heavyweights. There's no question about his jab, you know, uh, no question about that. He says, before Tyson, I saw Holmes knocked down three times in title fights, not just knocked down, but brutally knocked down. Without exaggeration, he literally crawled up the ropes to his feet and won all three of those fights by stoppage. One of them was against Ernie Shavers, and that's what turned my opinion around on Larry Holmes. Not the fight, but talking to Ernie. Ernie and I were, I, I actually picked him up from the airport, and I was bringing him back to an event that I was doing. And we had been talking about Larry Holmes and, you know, how great he was. And I was never a big fan of Larry Holmes. I, I got to admit, I never was. And, um, you know, I said to Ernie, I said, listen, you know, uh, what's his story? And he told me that story of the fight. And uh, basically he says, you know, and I, I thought I killed Larry Holmes. You know, he says, and as they're counting, he's all of a sudden I saw Larry Holmes just look at me out of the corner of his eye with his face still down on the mat. And he said he started watching him climb up those ropes. He says he barely made the count of 10. They let him continue. And he said, uh, you know, he ended up catching me and knocking me out, meaning uh, Ernie said that. And he said, yes, Billy C., Larry Holmes is one of the greatest fighters of all time. And uh, I started changing my tune on, on Larry. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I definitely uh, agree with Jeff here. He says, I believe, much like Trump in public, he would fight back negative comments with less than politically correct replies. But in person, he loved all of his fans and surprisingly was very generous with his time. I took my young children to his restaurant just before the first day of school, and he sat down with us and was very gentle and kind to them. Uh, he was truly a gentle giant. I tell friends Larry Holmes' best defense was his unbelievable pride. If he was uh, down or hurt, it truly embarrassed him, and his sheer pride brought him back to victory. Uh, Larry versus George, what a great fight that would have been. I believe that the sharp-hitting jab and ring movement uh, would ultimately... Uh, bring Larry the victory if they fought in their primes. Uh, quick last point versus Tyson. Larry began to take fights for money. He was way removed from his prime and, frankly, eased his way through training. Uh, but uh, great fight poster, though. Um, you know, uh, the when you look at the fight against uh, the potential fight between Larry Holmes, and thanks for the email, uh, Jeff, great email. Um, if you look at that fight and... You know, you you have to say to yourself, well, which George Foreman? You know, because if if you see the George Foreman that fought Muhammad Ali, you could there's a good argument that Jeffrey's right here, uh, Sal. You know, I mean, uh, his jab was controlling, and it did True. Uh, neutralize uh, a punching power. 
Um, but then, you know, George Foreman before the Ali fight was like Mike Tyson before the Buster Douglas fight. You know, or like a, a Sonny Liston. He had a nasty streak to him. Well, well, well. George Foreman had a nasty streak, but what I'm well, saying, what I'm saying is just like my like Sonny Liston. He had that dark persona that he was going to be a rusher, destroyer, or world beater, and that you weren't going to leave the ring on your feet. But my point, my point is, is that the persona of uh, like like Sonny Liston, the persona that he couldn't be beaten was thrown out the window when Ali beat him. Uh, the persona that George Foreman couldn't be beaten was thrown out the window when Ali beat him, you know, um, all, all of that, you know. So, so, you know, my point, though, is if, if Larry Holmes fought George Foreman and the fight was, if they were both in their prime and the fight was, uh, obviously it couldn't have been before the Ali fight with Foreman. They but, had to both be undefeated. Yeah, exactly. They would have had to both be undefeated. Uh, interesting fight. Interesting yeah. fight. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I'll, I'll give it a spin. I used to think, you know, what you just said that I said was uh, that Big George would uh, knock out Larry Holmes. But uh, you know what? When you look at the Ali surprising Larry Holmes, I mean surprising uh, George Foreman with uh, uh, his ability to take a punishment and to, to, to also box a little bit and hit him with a jab and do what he had to do. Uh, towards the end of each round until he got up to round eight and just exploded with eight, ten punch combination that destroyed uh, George Foreman. You know, it's amazing because you can see these guys. And I could see Larry Holmes actually uh, staving off the aggression uh, of a George Foreman coming at him with these punches that are going to be crushing. So it could have, it's going to be a good fight. We're going to run on a computer, and I would love to see what happens. I want to give a shout-out to my main man, your main man too, Marlon Starling. He's in the, the, uh, he's in the Facebook uh, simulcast chat room, and there's a guy that uh, is, is a Hall of Famer. Why he's not in, in the International Boxing Hall of Fame is, is a travesty. You know, I mean, uh, this guy, uh, Marlon Starling, I, I mean, you look at his record, and you know, and listen, Marlon will be the first to tell you, and he's told he's told me many times, and I know he's told you when when you met him uh, last time down down in uh, down at your place. Um, the, the 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 truth of the matter is, is Marlon Marlon's not a BSer. Marlon tells it like yeah, it is. He tells and, it like it and, is. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, Marlon. is when when you talk to Marlon, he'll tell you. You look at his record uh, of his six losses. He really only lost one, and he'll admit that he lost one. You know, uh, that he was not the better man that night. But those other fights were all robberies. Look at the decisions. Look at how we fought. You know, uh, uh, look at what, what happened in those fights. Watch those fights. You know, uh, Marlon Starlin, truly, like Frank Sinatra sung it uh, his way. Uh, that's my, when I think of uh, Frank Sinatra's doing it my way, I think of Marlon Starlin because Marlon Starlin did it his way. And, you know, uh, the powers that be need to open up their friggin' eyes and, and put him in the Hall of Fame. Because if anybody who, hey, let me ask you, uh, off topic, but in, in the welterweight division right now, who beats Marlon Starling? I, I got news for you. Marlon Starling would have given Floyd Mayweather a run for his money. Floyd, would, I don't even think Floyd could have hit Marlon Starling. And Marlon Starling would have engaged with Floyd. You know, oh, so yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, you look at the welterweights today. Uh, anybody that uh, you know watched boxing in in the '80s saw Marlon Starling because he was on TV a lot. I, I'm not so sure there was uh, many more fighters in his era that were on TV as much as Marlon. Well, why he's not in the Hall of Fame really pisses me off. 
Well, I think I think we should all get up there for this year's uh, induction and and uh, just uh, we I think we should uh, go up there and have Marlon have uh, we'll have a reunion up there. I think we should we should do that. Have our table up there. Have a meet and greet people and and uh, try to try to approach the powers that may be and campaign for Marlon to maybe be on the ballot next year. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I think. Uh, listen, I, I'll I'll call it like it is. Ed Brophy, he wants money. He wants people to buy their way in, and I, I think people should earn their way in. You know, I mean, well, it was, e- it was easy. It, hey, listen, it was easy to put uh, Hall of Famers in back in the day, uh, because uh, you know there was no doubt about it. But today, I mean, uh, give me a break. But uh, anyway, let's let's get back to some emails. Dax sent me an email, and he said, uh, "What's your thoughts on the WBC?" giving the 2017 uh, Performance of the Year Award to Deontay Wilder with his win over uh, Stavern in their rematch. Uh, The uh, WBC said Wilder knocked out Stavern in dramatic fashion. He resembled the best version of Muhammad Ali, displayed the jab of Larry Holmes with the aggression of Mike Tyson. They also put him at number one in their top 10 pound-for-pound listing. Uh, Listen, hey, listen, you know what? Um, Talk about lowering the benchmark. Mauricio Suleiman, we had a great time with him on this show, and I respect Maurice uh, as I did his his pops, but give me an effing break about this. Um, You know, Deontay Wilder, uh, may have punching power. There's no doubt. Nobody, you know, and, and I and and the guy definitely has some some talent. But you, you're telling me the performance of the year against a guy that didn't even try to fight it. The, the only way you could win performance of the, the year bag. is if you were fighting against a guy that was equally in shape and equally as good. And and that was not the case. Devern was out of shape. Was a fat pig. Didn't even didn't even try to win that fight. Was knocked out. Was looking for a soft place to lay down from the beginning of the fight. Displayed a jab of Larry Holmes. The fight lasted 30 seconds. The fight wasn't even a, a, a full. Come on. It didn't even go one round. You know, uh, with the aggression of Mike Tyson, eh, you know, anybody that attacks you, if you want to say that's the aggression of Mike Tyson, fine. You know, but you, 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 you're you telling me that it resembled the best version of Muhammad Ali, the jab of Larry Holmes? Come on, man. What, what? I think Mauricio was hitting a bottle a little bit. What, what do you think? Bill, I, you know, I, I saw that email. You, you, I, I retorted and, and gave you my opinion what I thought, but uh, to hear you say it again, I mean, it's 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 ludicrous, and I'll tell you what, uh, no, it, it it did not show. And, and I give the you know me, I give Deontay Wilder credit where others may not, but this no way in shape way could I ever acknowledge and agree with that email. No way. And uh, I think it's very short-sighted on on uh, Mr. Solomon's part. Yeah, uh, ridiculous. I think he's over chomping on that bit. Yeah, hey, you know, I'm should not stick saying it. Deontay Wilder can't earn that place, can't do this, but you know, look at these guys who they fought. They fought the best of the best at every turn they could fight until there was no more bodies to fight. These guys were in the mecca of their 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 career, and to no fault of 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 their own, they they just faced everybody and were willing to face everybody. That's when, I, that's when I shift back and I say that was the difference back then. When you were a champion or you were a contender or you were the best, you sought out and you made the best fights happen. Here, 
we got to pull teeth and wait for the promoters or wait for the managers or wait for the fighters to say, hey, we're going to get in the ring and dance. It doesn't happen. They're not seeking out. Because you know what? If they did, you would have seen Canelo Alvarez and Triple G already signed, sealed, and delivered. You would have seen Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua already signed, sealed, and delivered. You would have seen some of these big fights uh, already signed, sealed, and delivered. Instead of, uh, as you say, marinate and do this and do that. Forget about it. That's the difference between this era in boxing and the old one. Um, <laughs> the only bit that uh, he should have in his mouth is a horse bit at this point. <laughs> um, I just want to give a shout-out to my man, uh, Jason Gonzalez. He's reminding me, today is George Foreman's birthday. Hey, you know, really? Uh, so, so, so happy birthday, George. Big George. Happy birthday, Big George. I love George Foreman. And his brother, George. I wish my brother, George, was here. That <laughs> <laughs> was, that was, uh, Bugs Bunny. Peter Lorre, right? Well, it was Peter Lorre, Peter, but Bugs Peter Bunny Lorre. did, Bugs Bunny did the, uh, impression of Peter Lorre. <laughs> I wish my brother, George, was here, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, anyway. Um, listen, we're going to take a break. When I come back, I'm scheduled to have uh, Alex Papali uh, come on, and we're going to be doing our blast from the past on Larry Holmes. Uh, then we're going to get uh, Sal back on, and I got my one of my favorite emails uh, that I've already read um, uh, that uh, my man uh, Willie sent me um, based on our conversation that we were having last week about uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, my man Tuco. And uh, he put some... Uh, he put together uh, a list of Tuco's crimes, uh, oh. and uh, we're going to get to that a little bit later. But, uh, Sal, uh, you go, uh, and truly, you'll, you'll definitely get a break this time because I, I, I see Alex is available. Um, so uh, I hope uh, all is well with uh, uh, my man Larry but because uh, he never misses uh, an episode, that's for sure. But uh, in any event, Sal, uh, Sal, hang tight. We'll be back to you in a, in a little bit. And in the meantime, for the rest of you guys out there, uh, don't go nowhere because uh, when we come back, uh, we're scheduled to have uh, Alex Papali join us, and we're going to be doing uh, this week's Blast from the Past. And it's on the one and only Larry Holmes. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, Glad you could be with us. And speaking of being with us, don't forget to be with us on Friday, January 19th. Uh, Sal and I are going to be doing another Billy C. event. This one's called our After the Holidays Holiday Party. And it's going to be taking place down uh, at the Sea Palms Resort in St. Simons Island, Georgia. So uh, come on down. We're going to show you not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights. We're going to have some food laid out for you, a cash bar. We're going to have some world, former world champions there, some special guests. You're going to love it. 
don't miss out. Uh, just visit cpoms.com. Give them a call. Tell them you want to come down for the Billy C uh, event on Friday, January 19th. And uh, bring the family. Stay there for the weekend. You'll love the place. Um, you know, before we uh, went to break, I gave a shout-out to George Foreman. It was his birthday. My man Jason uh, Gonzalez reminded me uh, of that. He also reminded me, and I forgot, that uh, it's also Felix Tito Trinidad's birthday. So happy birthday to uh, the former uh, Puerto Rican superstar, because he certainly was uh, Tito Trinidad. Well, it's that time again. Uh, we are doing uh, one of our longest-running segments uh, on our show. We are on, in our 15th year already. Can't believe that. It's our Blast from the Past, and this week's Blast from the Past is being sponsored by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Join today. It's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Download your copy today by visiting our website, BillyCBoxing.com. And click on the title bout banner. And this week, as per request from one of you guys, uh, is former world heavyweight champion and boxing Hall of Famer, Larry Holmes. And uh, joining me right now to tell us all about the Eastern Assassin is uh, my man uh, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. Uh, turn your mic on. Is your mic on there, Alex? We see your lips move, but we can't hear what you're saying as he struggles to get his microphone turned on. But uh, anyway, we'll... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to plug it in. Yeah, let's keep the camera rolling for for uh, for Alex as he uh, uh, figures out uh, what's going on there. Are you there yet? No, no. It might You might want to check uh, your Skype setting. Make sure you got it hooked up to the right uh, mic. Um, because sometimes what it, I'll take, I'm going to take the camera off so people can't see the perplexed look on Alex's face. And as soon as he starts talking, we'll know that we have him live. And uh, nope, still can't hear you, my man. Uh, but, uh, and there we go. You get, you're, you're cook, you're starting to cook with gas now. Oh, you, we got you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you now, Alex. Okay, great. Jeez. Wow. That's weird. Yeah. Cause it, um. The 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 sound was fine, but um, no mic. Yeah. Well, hey, we're glad to have you back. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. I was for, like looking at the camera a little. Yeah, I know. And like, what you guys should do is go go back to this after the show and go and cut cut out that perplexed look on Alex's face that I was so kind enough to to make sure the camera shot was on. I did not mean to do that, Alex. I forget that everyone else is watching as I'm talking to you on my screen. You know, it's like, oh, oh geez, yeah, everybody that's else is seeing it. That's uh. the look of in the face of modern technology. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I I just hit the button. What what are you? talking about hey you know what's gonna look good on this show when you two have a brass knuckle coffee mug of billy c because <laughs> yeah, did you hear that i'm having those made no that sounds great yeah no Wait, i'm, I'm what, uh, uh, for the handle will be brass knuckle yeah did you ever see the logo that jeremy made up on the website oh it, no i gotta check that out yeah it's um it's actually it's part of the images uh when you guys upload stories but he he came up with a mug and the, the handle was brass knuckles, and, and he had it, like, punch in the mug, and the mug was kind of bent around the oh, brass I like knuckles. That. And I got so many inquiries about buying them. You know, I'm like, oh, geez, I never thought of that, you know. So uh, I reached out to uh, a custom uh, – it's actually a, a, a clay. of This guy makes uh, all kinds of, um, you know, plates and dishes and cups and all kinds of stuff out of, out of clay. 
and uh, you know uh, they're you know microwavable, they're dishwasher safe. I mean, they're really nice mugs, and uh, he's going to custom make one for us to the to those specs. So we're in the process of that now. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, Larry Holmes, our blast from the past. Tell us about this guy. Yeah, Larry Holmes. This guy, um, in terms of uh, heavyweight badasses, this is definitely one of them. Uh, you know, I mean, arguably one of the top five heavyweight champions of all time, uh, top five greatest of all time heavyweight champions. Um, I think, I don't think anybody would give you an argument that he's definitely in the top 10. Um, you know, he, uh, as we find out, if you study heavyweight history, um, there are a few guys who unfortunately um, suffered a bit um, in terms of getting recognition because of who they came after. And Larry Holmes, of course, came after uh, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. And um, unfortunately, he fought in somewhat of a similar style. Um, you know, he was a very uh, elusive uh, boxer puncher. But I think you could argue that Holmes was more athletic than Ali um, and uh, hit harder uh, than Ali. Definitely, I think he hit harder. Um, and, um, you know, nobody likes a mimic. So I think that uh, it, Larry suffered a little bit from that because it seemed like he was almost like, oh, we, we already went through the Ali era. Now we got to see another Ali era. Um, and he didn't distinguish himself. And maybe that's in part why I think you have that, uh, that really sad bout where he actually defeated Ali is because, you know, there needed to be that um, in boxing, of course, it happens quite often. You need to have that exchange of the past great handing over to the uh, the new great and uh, of today and that usually happens by uh, blood combat so uh, it was it had to be you know, to some degree uh, but yeah I, I was 11 years old when I first re this was the, the the first fight I ever remember hearing about in my life before I was into boxing or anything I remember when Leon Spinks was uh, on TV and fought Ali but um, the next fight I could ever remember hearing about was when I was in sixth grade I was Holmes versus Jerry Cooney. That was just a huge fight that transcended the sport. Jeez. And um, something you know, just something just happened. With you, you you froze for a minute, and then you you now you sound crystal clear. I don't know. Good yeah, job, good job. Now I sound so much better. Yeah, I didn't touch anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, uh, it's strange. But oh, so anyway, we'll get into this guy. So he was born November third, nineteen thirty nine, and. Um, he, uh, I'm sorry, no, November uh, 3rd, 1949, he had uh, 10 brothers and sisters, and they lived on a farm in Georgia. They were dirt poor. I mean, he really, he came from no nothing. He lived there until he was six years old. Uh, they, they, you know, they lived in a place that had no running water. They had, had to go outside to wash up and to use the toilet in an outhouse. Um, he quit school in the seventh grade. Um, at six years old, rather, they moved to Easton, Pennsylvania, because, of course, his nickname's the Easton Assassin, so he's always associated with Easton, Pennsylvania, but he got his start in Cuthbert, Georgia. Um, left school in seventh grade, had a lot of jobs uh, coming up. At one point, he uh, worked even for a furrier, and, of course, his famous job, most famous, uh, was as a sparring partner for a Muhammad Ali. Um, as an amateur, he, he did not go to the Olympics. He uh, actually lost in the Olympic trials to Dwayne Bobbick. Uh, Dwayne Bobbick had, had stunned him, 
And then um, Larry kept holding, and the ref ended up uh, DQing him for uh, for too much clinching. So that was where you know his amateur career ended. Turned pro, Billy C. In his first pro fight, he made sixty three bucks. Hey, uh, when you hear about when you hear about these guys uh, and what their pro debut for, I mean, Sugar Ray uh, Robinson used to fight for a watch. And then uh, he would cash the watch out for ten bucks, twelve bucks in his early fights. You know, it was uh, amazing. Um, but uh, you know, when you look at Larry Holmes, and and I look at his record, and I and I just look at it from a you know uh, research uh, perspective. He he turned pro in nineteen seventy three, and and although the fighters uh, were the 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 cast of characters on paper look very similar to the way fighters, you know, um, choose their career today, all right? The difference was a lot of these guys were a lot better despite similar-looking records, you know? But the first name that jumps out at you, and then when you look at it in its the truthful state, in 1978, he fought Ernie Shavers the first time, went the distance with Ernie. Ernie had already fought 54 fights. He was 54, 6, and 1 at the time. And um, when you look uh, at that uh, from from a perspective of how long and then who Larry fought from that point on, from that fight in 1978 through 1986, which is eight years, check out the names on his resume. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, Alex, he wins the title. Ken, Kenny Norton, uh, Alfredo Evangel- Evangelista, which is a good fighter. Um, even uh, Ossie Okeso, Mike Weaver, Ernie Shavers again. Um, uh, Scott Ledeau was a was a tough uh, fighter out of Canada. Muhammad Ali, Trevor Burbick when he was you know uh, a really good fighter. Leon Spinks, Ronaldo Snipes was undefeated. The fight you mentioned, Jerry Cooney, uh, the fight that uh, got. Uh, uh, Howard Cosell, sick to watch. Randall Cobb uh, was a tough guy. Tim Witherspoon, Scott Frank, James Bonecusher Smith, David Bay, Carl the Truth Williams, and then his two fights with Michael Spinks. I mean, it can really, you know, even myself, when I read this now and I say to myself, how could I not have given this guy the credit when I, for so long, I didn't? Um, and then you, you start to just read it like that out loud. And even novice fight fans have heard of most of those names, you know. So uh, uh, it's truly impressive, to say the least, Alex. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of uh, this was a pretty decent uh, era of heavyweights. Um, At the time, we probably didn't think so. You know, names like Ronaldo Snipes and and Scott Ledoux aren't necessarily, you know, things that jump out at you. David Bay. I love Snipes. um, I loved Ronaldo Ronaldo Snipes. I thought he was... was, uh, a really good fighter. I thought he had a chance of beating Holmes when he fought him, to tell you the truth. I thought that Snipes was going to win that fight. Yeah, uh, those, these guys are all, um, in comparison to other heavyweight eras, they're they're some of the best. I mean, but, uh, you know, they're not like names like uh, Terrell or Ellis, um, those other kind of guys that um, get a little more uh, street cred. But you're right. I mean, compared to uh, of today, I mean, to what, Chris Ariola? Uh, you know, I mean, come on. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, he definitely beat everybody who meant something in the heavyweight division. And um, the only one who, I think it was Tim Witherspoon, gave him a tough fight. That was a split decision. And that was Tim Witherspoon's 
um, you know, 16th fight. He was an undefeated tiger coming up when they met. Um, and if, same thing with Cooney. I mean, Cooney was a beast. I mean, he was knocking everybody out. Um, you know, that beca- became, a co- of course, uh, a, a racial lightning rod as well. That fight, that fight was enormous. Um, and there is a really good, um, I'm pretty sure, I forgot to check if it was on YouTube. Because um, I think some HBO stuff is on YouTube and some they've, uh, you know, pulled down. But I think the Legendary Knights documentary they did on the Cooney, fo- uh, Cooney Holmes fight um, Holmes Cooney fight rather is on YouTube. Uh, and that's definitely worth a watch. It was really good uh, because there just was so much going on with that. And there were so many big personalities, you know, um, uh, Cooney's manager was a big mouth, uh, Rappaport, you know, uh, so, you know, to get Don King involved and everything. So there was a lot, uh, of, uh, hoopla around that fight as well as a really good fight. Um, Cooney was dangerous and, you know, Cooney's a guy that's still around now. Uh, you get his um, uh, commentary on a lot of fights, and um, uh, he's a you know he's an interesting guy to hear, especially on heavyweights. Uh, Jerry Cooney's a great uh, guy, and you know uh, that was one of at the time the uh, the Holmes Cooney fight was uh, I think one of the biggest pay per views available or closed circuit they used to call it in the eighties. But uh, I remember seeing that fight at, at my buddy's house and uh, loved. Uh, Watching that fight, and and Ronaldo Snipes was undefeated. Uh, th- that was the fight just prior to that. And you are so right. Just to get back to the comment, all those names, the the regular heavyweights that were you know the contenders uh, during that era, the end of the era that everyone thought was the you know the last great era uh, in, in boxing, the the Ali, Frazier, Foreman, uh, all those guys, and all of a sudden you, you start looking at Larry Holmes, and yeah, you know he was fighting an aging Ernie Shavers, and some of these other guys were aging, but Mike Weaver wasn't aging. Tim Witherspoon, like you said, uh, was an up and coming guy. You know James uh, Bone Crusher Smith. Uh, David Bay, Carl the Truth Williams. There was so much hoopla around David Bay and Carl the Truth Williams at that time. Many people think that that really ruined uh, Carl uh, the Truth Williams' uh, career. He he would go on to get knocked out by Mike Tyson. But um, let let's fast forward to well, one thing I do want to say uh, in an interview, um, Larry Holmes said that his toughest fight. They asked, you know, with all these guys who he fought and those classic fights, him pulling himself up off the canvas and, and everything else. They asked him who his toughest fight was. He said Kenny Norton. The the guy he won the title from, he said was his toughest fight of his career, which, you know, I mean, that says a lot about Kenny Norton. You know, that's a guy that sometimes gets, I think, falls through the cracks when we talk about great heavyweights, Alex. Absolutely. And I think that that's that fight is the one of the, you know, exhibit a uh, because that is a spectacular fight. It's uh, just a heavyweight brawl. You don't see heavyweight fights like that very often. And the thing about it is, like I said earlier, uh, I can't help but think that Larry is uh, maybe a little more athletic than Ali. That fight's a really good example. Larry had just really this really natural movement. Uh, His jab is absolutely beautiful. Uh, At that time, there was no, um, I don't think there's any punch stat uh, for that fight, but the amount of jabs, beautiful jabs again and again, he jams into Norton's face. It's just breathtaking. And um, it does have, 
you know, it's funny because it's not a ring fight of the year, and I don't think it had some. I think the final round is uh, a contender for round of the year, but I don't think uh, I, I double checked and it did not win either one of those war awards. But it must have been in the contendership because uh, it's an incredible fight. And um, yeah, the thing I, I think Larry also gets uh, knocks on his career. He doesn't jump to mind when people think of the other great uh, heavyweight champions. Um, you know, the names like Ali, Lewis, Marciano, um, and you know, unfortunately Tyson always comes in there and Tyson does not deserve it. Uh, Holmes definitely should come up before Tyson does. Um, but you know, that's the nature of notoriety and popularity. I'll, Cause Holmes was always, you know, Holmes lost a lot of credibility uh, for, or turned fans off at least when in one of his darkest moments, he made that statement about Marciano where it came after the loss. That was a very disputed decision to Michael Spinks that, you know, prevented him from tying Marciano's record uh, of 49 and oh, you know, that was his 49th fight. And uh, he lost and he said, you know, that, uh, Marciano couldn't carry my jack jock strap, and you know something. I, I kind of think he's kind not that he couldn't carry his jock strap, but if they fought, Holmes would beat his ass. Marciano was little. Um, that's my opinion. But um, Larry has always been a guy with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, um, you know, and I think that turned people off. Uh, he's entirely self-made, so you got to give a guy credit like that. And the thing about him is that. When he was coming up, he paid his dues. He, When he got a black eye from Ali in sparring, that was like one of his proudest moments. He went all around saying, look, this is what I got at work. You know, the champ gave me this. So, you know, it's not like he, um, you know, I think some of the reputation he gets uh, um, because of the Marciano comment is unfortunate. Well, his single leap, his leap in a single bound chasing uh, Trevor Burbick uh, over parked cars was was another famous one. But but uh, <laughs> remember that? Yeah, that is one of the classic street fight uh, heavyweight fights. Is yeah, his fight with Trevor Burbick. He runs right over a car. I know, <laughs> I know. But uh, but but you're you're right. Uh, first first of all, it's. It, the thing about Larry Holmes, and, and just to comment, I, I know we, we got to speed it up here, but I, I know just to comment, the difference, you know, people could make the argument, well, Muhammad Ali had the best jab. Well, you see, the difference between the two jabs, and, and I think you put it in perspective perfectly, Alex, Muhammad Ali, when he threw a jab, it, it, it was a jab, and it was an effective jab, but he most of the time was on his toes. Most of the time he was moving around, and it was a nuisance jab. When Larry Holmes hit you with a jab, it was a powerful stinging jab. And it yeah. was in your face all the time. He wasn't on his toes like Ali. He wasn't dancing as much as Ali. Um, but he employed the jab like no other. When you get to that fight, the Michael Spinks fight, he was ready to tie Marciano's record. Um, uh, you know, Michael Spinks, I, I thought Michael Spinks beat him in the first fight. And I think that he beat him. Uh, because he was his his unorthodox style, he went in. He was darting in and out. He was landing punches. He was stealing them. He stole the fight. He uh, that's a perfect example of of someone getting a fight stolen from them. And I believe Michael Spinks legitimately won the first fight. However, the rematch in which it was an official split decision, 
I thought I thought Larry Holmes won that fight. I thought that that if anybody could really cry robbery, um, it was that fight of the two, not the first, because there was a lot of people that said the first fight was a robbery too, Alex. Um, but uh, but I think that Michael Spinks, if we go back and watch that fight, Michael Spinks stole that fight. He won those rounds by by you know connecting with punches that didn't hurt Larry Holmes, but they scored. The second fight, not so much. Yeah, I think you're right that um, the the second fight definitely looks closer than the first. Uh, they're both close, close fights, and yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I didn't do this, but I wonder if you put them in against each other a hundred times on uh, the magic boxing machine, how they would do if it would always be close fights because. I can't help but think that it kind of would. It to me, they're almost like. Um, I mean, this is a middleweight fight, but uh, Jermaine Taylor and Hopkins. Both times they fought, very close fights. You could argue either could have gone either way, um, and I think that was a lot of thing. The same thing. There's people vehemently who say Holmes won them both, just like there's people who vehemently say Hopkins won both those fights. You know, um, you know when you people will always say, well, you know, uh, Larry Holmes fought Mike Tyson. He was over the hill. He was this. He was that. Well. Consider this, you know, he was controlling the heavyweight division for those eight years from 1978 through 1986. He lost the back-to-back fights against Michael Spinks and kind of turned his back on the sport of boxing for a little bit until the phone call came for him to fight Mike Tyson. Yes, he was 39 years old, but he was still Larry Holmes. And quite honestly, that to me was the passing of the torch. Just like when we saw um, Larry Holmes beat Muhammad Ali uh, in a fight where Muhammad Ali was was well past his prime, then we all had to suffer through Muhammad Ali fighting again against Trevor Burbick. But um, you know, unfortunately, in the sport of boxing, that that passing of the torch usually is when one fighter is young, up and coming, strong and powerful, and he's fighting against the the the, the previous world champion who has seen better days. And that was a classic matchup uh, in 1988 between Mike Tyson. And, uh, and Larry Holmes, Mike Tyson was too young, too strong uh, for Larry Holmes and ultimately knocked him out. You would think that would have been the end of Larry Holmes, right? Wrong. <laughs> Larry, Larry Holmes comes back uh, a couple of years after that. And you know what? You know, people could say what they want about Larry Holmes trying to get uh, another world title shot. As a matter of fact, he got three more uh, if you count the IBO one. But but he did beat some, you know, good fighters. How about Ray Mercer? Hand in Ray Mercer, his first loss. Ray Mercer was 18-0 and when he fought Larry Holmes, and, and Holmes beat him. Uh, you know, he lost to Holyfield. He, he had a couple of good wins, but we did. Oliver McCauley lost a, a shot at the title. Uh, and Brian Nielsen, he had a shot at the IBO title in uh, Denmark. But we were just talking about this fight. It was Butterbean. He fought Butterbean in 2002 and won a 10-round decision. That was a payday, huh? That's right. He went 10 tough rounds with Eric Esch. Um, yeah. And he actually... Uh, Butterbean is credited with a knockdown in the final round, but it looks more like a brush down. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, I know we got a hard break, but there's two little jokes I got to get in here because uh, Larry is such an engaging guy. Even you know, even the people that don't care for him, they got to admit he's got some pretty funny, fr- funny stories. And the one about um, he had been retired before the Tyson fight, and Don King came to him and said, uh, "Larry, Larry, I got a fight for you. We got a fight for you." And Larry was like, "Don, you know I'm retired. I don't want to fight anybody. Who do you want me to fight?" And he said, "Mike Tyson." He said, "Mike Tyson? You crazy? I can't beat Mike Tyson." And he said, Larry, I'll give you three and a half million dollars. 
uh, uh, Larry said, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but w you're right. Then in 92 years later in 91, he was out fishing with some friends and they were talking and he said to his friends, you know, I could come back and beat a lot of these guys. And within two years I could fight for a title. And he was right. Five fights, fights later, he fights an undefeated Ray Mercer, beats him by unanimous decision. Mercer at the time was 18 and 0. Then his next fight, he fights Evander Holyfield. Goes 12 tough rounds with him. That was an entire different, entirely different animal than the uh, Holmes that fought Mike Tyson. So yeah, I mean, uh, he did just like George Foreman, uh, his his rival, because uh, that's a fight that never happened, and he really wish it did. And his um, when he's inducted into the Hall of Fame, his speech is great, and he does he 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 needles everyone, and of course, one of his biggest targets is Big George, and uh, one of the things he said is. Um, you know, he, he, when he's thanking his wife, he said, I don't know if I'm a good man, but I, I got a good ass woman. And then when he was talking about um, uh, the Foreman Grill, even that he has a problem with. And he said, I don't understand the Foreman Grill. If you don't want your hamburgers to be greasy, you're crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I got to meet Larry uh, one time and, and he was uh, he was pretty cool. But how did he do against today's heavyweights? He did very well uh, and uh, dominated tremendously. In, when he fights my man, Anthony Joshua, Larry beats him and beats him quick, stops him at two minutes and 11 seconds of round number two. When they fight 100 times, Larry wins 87, loses only seven. They draw six times. Holmes scores 32 KOs. And when he fights Deontay Wilder, Larry matches up a little differently with him. Uh, Holmes wins the unanimous decision, uh, three scores of 116 to 110. When they fight 100 times, Larry dominates. The Easton Assassin has uh, 92 victories, seven defeats, one draw, and scores 46 knockouts. You know, it's interesting because... You know these guys are are four five inch four and five inches taller and and bigger than Larry Holmes. Um, so uh, I think uh, the game's giving Larry a lot of credit, but he did. Well, fight. remember what beats? Uh, you know, you beat a um, taller guy with uh, speed and timing, not necessarily reach. No, you're That's right. What, uh, the old Ang Angelo Dundee said is, uh, "Don't give me height and reach. Give me a guy who could fight." Well, well, the truth of the matter is, too, is you got to look at the the other fighters that Larry Holmes fought during his career. I mean, uh, the the, the names speak for themselves larry holmes our blast from the past great job as usual alex larry holmes uh had uh, a career record of 69 wins 44 coming by knockout in his six losses only stopped one time and that was against mike tyson uh he had a knockout ratio of 59 percent almost 580 rounds 579 his last four wins as a pro uh, were all his last four fights of, as a pro were all wins, two by knockout. Once again, great job, Alex. We look forward to you. Uh, actually, not next week because we're off, but the week after. And uh, I'm really looking forward to our new segment. So, uh, uh, Me too. great job, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, thanks a lot, Billy. That's Alex Papali, and uh, be looking for him for our uh, with our next uh, segment. Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I get back. Uh, I'll have uh, Sal back on, and we're going to hear from Tuco, my man Tuco from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You, you'll see what I mean. We'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? 
That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, Glad you could be with us. Don't forget about joining Sal and myself on January 19th. Uh, for our next boxing event down at the Sea Palms Resort, visit seapalms.com and uh, give them a call. Tell them you want to be part of uh, Billy C's boxing event on January 19th. I'm here with uh, my man Sal again. And Sal, as promised, last week we were talking, we got off topic as we <coughs> usually do. And we, do. Uh, we started talking about the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, one of my favorite <laughs> westerns. And uh, my man Willie, you know, I said something about Tuco, and I mentioned the scene where he's in the uh, the, the bathtub, and uh, the one armed guy who he the movie opens up, uh, you know, as they're seeing it, and you see this uh, guy come crashing through the the glass, and it's it's Tuco, and you know, you see this other guy holding his arm, and he tries to get a shot off, and you know, he falls to the to the to the floor, and there's other dead guys around, and. You don't see this guy again until that scene, you know, where he's in the tub and the guy's talking to him. Oh, all the time I I thought of my right hand, I thought of you. I learned to shoot with my left hand, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, Tuco, <laughs> he's got a gun underneath the suds in the bath, and he blows the guy away. And he says, if you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk, you know. And uh, uh, we were laughing and reminiscing about that, that movie. And uh, Willie, my man Willie, who uh, is more entertaining than uh, a one-armed paper hanger, um, is uh, uh, emailed me the next day. And uh, the subject says Tuco's crimes. Now, if you watch this movie, before he and Clint Eastwood team up, um, or, or, or I should say they team up together, um, and uh, there was, uh, uh, b- before they teamed up, Tuco had a little shtick going. He had a guy that was, uh, uh, you know, they would g- get caught and because uh, it was a warrant out for his arrest and there was some money involved and Bounty, Tuco had yeah. a guy shooting him off the hangman's rope and then Clint Eastwood teamed up with him. Uh, what happened to Shorty? Uh, sorry, you know, he's <laughs> killed Shorty and uh, takes over that role. So, uh, you know, as they had Tuco ready to, to hang, they would always read these crimes. Well, um, Willie <laughs> sends me an email, and the subject says, Tuco's crimes. He says, hey, Billy C., I heard you mention Tuco from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly yesterday. Here's a list of all the crimes he was guilty of that were being read out loud by the hangman. Tuco's crimes quoted from the hangman. This is the first hangman that he quotes. He says, uh, wanted in 14 counties of this state, the condemned is found guilty of crimes of murder, armed robbery of citizens, state banks and post offices, the theft of sacred objects, arson in a state prison, perjury, bigamy, uh, deserting his wife and children, inciting prostitution, kidnapping, extortion, receiving stolen goods, selling stolen goods, passing counterfeit money, and contrary to the laws of this state, the condemned is guilty of using marked cards and loaded dice. Therefore, according to the powers vested in us, we sentence the accused before us 
Tuco, Benedicto, Pacifico, Juan, Mariama, Ramirez, and any other aliases he might have to hang by the neck until dead. May God have his mercy on his soul. Proceed. That's how they used to do it, right? That was the first one. Then the second one. The second hangman says, wanted in 15 counties of this state to contend standing before us, sitting before us, Tuco, Benedito, Pacifico, Juan Maria Ramirez has been found guilty by the 3rd District County Court of the following crimes. Murder, assaulting a justice of the peace, raping a virgin of the white race, statutory rape of a minor of the black race, derailing a train in order to rob the passengers, bank robbery, highway robbery, (laughs) robbing an unknown number of post offices, breaking out of state prison, using marked cards and loaded dice, promoting prostitution, blackmail, intention of selling fugitive slaves, and counterfeiting crimes against uh, places of high authority include burning down the courthouse and the sheriff's office in Sonara. The accused is also guilty of cattle rustling, horse thievery, supplying Indians with firearms, misrepresenting himself as a Mexican general, unlaw- unlawfully drawing salary and living allowances from the Union Army. For all these crimes, he's accused has made th- this accused has made a full, spontaneous confession. Therefore, we contemn him to be hung by the neck until dead. May the Lord have mercy on his soul. Proceed. Uh, so that was, that was some of the crimes that uh, my man Tuco oh, man. Uh, got hung for. Uh, funny stuff, right, Sal? I love that movie. I love it. I love that movie. Funny stuff. And, you know, the shame of the matter is this. Today he has some, some of those half of those crimes. You get some sleazebag defense attorney and they'd cry how abused you were as a child and you get uh, a lighter sentence. You wouldn't die. Well, <laughs> in, in today's world, um, some, of the, some of the – some of the movie producers and writers wouldn't even put that in because they would yeah. be afraid that they would, uh, uh, you know, uh, offend someone, uh, even in the movies. But uh, thanks, Willie. Uh, Great always, job, uh, Willie. Always, uh, uh, always keep movies uh, revisited. It's a new segment. Yeah, always uh, keeping a smile on my face. Uh, yes. On this day in boxing history, uh, January tenth in nineteen ninety-two, uh, I think one of the biggest middleweights of all time. Iran the Blade Barkley knocks out Darren Van Horn uh, in the second round to win the IBF World Super Middleweight title, and that took place in New York City. Uh, On this day in 1993, Freddie Pendleton wins a 12-round decision over Tracy Spann to win the vacant IBF World Lightweight title. took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. On this day in 1988, Leo Gomez wins a 12-round decision over Bong Chong Kim. Uh, to win the newly created WBA World Strawway title. That took place in South Korea. On this day in 2004, Eagle Kawawa wins a 12-round decision over Jose Aguirre uh, to win the junior, uh, to win the WBC, uh, I'm sorry, to win the WBC uh, World Strawway title. That took place in Tokyo. And finally, on this day, January 10th in 1939, uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time, Henry Armstrong, wins a 10-round decision over Baby Armenzai uh, to retain his world welterweight title, and that took place on this day in 1939 in uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, Sal, you know, uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow uh, and the next day. We will not be doing a live show next week because I'm on my way down uh, to uh, St. Simon, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, But uh, tomorrow uh, we'll be back better than ever. As I uh, am choking on a cough drop, uh, I will be. We will, we will be back uh, better than ever uh, to discuss all the latest things. So, I, you know, before we leave, I, I just want to say this, Sal. 
to you and to everybody else. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na